So, 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 so money episode 778, Lindsay Stanberry, author of Money Diaries. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Have you ever read someone's diary? Come on, you know you have, or wanted to at least. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Today we're talking about Money Diaries. It's a new book out by author Lindsay Stanberry, who is the Work and Money Director at Refinery29, one of my favorite websites for all things female empowerment, career, money, lifestyle, trends. Money Diaries is the book, everything you've ever wanted to know about your finances and everyone else else's. Money Diaries started as a series on Refinery29 where Lindsay would share entries from millennial women all across the country, how they were spending every single dollar, every single cent. The book was inspired from that and it provides up close and juicy insights into how millennial women are handling their financial lives or not handling their financial lives. We also will talk about Lindsay's own financial journey to saving over $100,000 to purchase her first home, how she is striking a balance between motherhood and her career. And if you're listening and you are thinking about having children and you're concerned about managing your career as you become a parent, particularly a mother, some advice for you. This is a topic I'm extremely passionate about these days, how women can stay in the workforce while having children. Too many are opting out unexpectedly. The cost of parenting is expensive. It's high. But how can you make it work so that you can maintain your financial independence, your financial freedom? Here we go. Here is Lindsay Stanberry. Lindsay Stanberry, welcome to So Money. I'm like beyond for Money Diaries. I've been waiting for this book for almost a year. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Farnoosh. And thanks for having me on the show. I'm such a big fan. Our So Money Nation is really excited to learn more about how everybody else spends and saves and invests or doesn't spend, save and invest. And you, as the Work and Money Director at Refinery29 for many years now, you really um, catapulted us into like being voyeurs, financial voyeurs, which is a great way to learn. And Money Diaries is was sort of this way to bring financial narratives with women in starring roles to use your own description of what it is. And now it's a book and probably will become a, a gosh, I don't know, a movie, a, a line of a line of uh, accessories at Target. I, I see a future here. What do you think it is about learning how other people spend, save, invest, and that makes us curious and interested? It kind of goes contrary to what we hear that like nobody wants to talk about money. Nobody, money's a taboo topic. Money makes us uncomfortable. Yeah, I think that money is a taboo topic and that money makes us uncomfortable, but that people really do want to talk about it. And like you said, we 
we give women the starring role in their own financial narratives, which you don't see many other places. And I think women are just really excited to finally have the opportunity to tell their stories. And then it's equally fascinating. It's like when you go to a party and you peek in someone's medicine cabinet, right? Mm, but in this yeah. case, you're like actually seeing the receipts of how they make it work or don't ha- or don't make it work. So many diverse entries you've collected over the years, everyone from um, an intern who's basically being supported by her family her parents in New York City. And that I know went viral, that particular entry. And people were upset. They, um, but then you also have really inspiring stories of women who are affording their own homes and creating real financial independence for themselves. As you were looking at all these entries, is it mostly good news or mostly bad news? I think it's a lot of good news. I do think that there's a lot of self-editing that goes on. And we find that, um, Women who have really great financial success are especially excited to share their stories. Our our commenters section is a little bit notorious. Our commenters are are very judgmental. Um, We try at Refinery try to present this without judgment, um, but that can be tricky too. Um, So I think that, yeah, I think that there is good news. And I also think that there's like plenty of examples of young women with student loans or low paying jobs who are really trying to figure out and make, you know, better money decisions. What are the goals? What does financial success mean to these, to these women? I mean, I think that's also, again, a very case by case, but as someone who's really got the 30,000 foot above ground view. Yeah, I I think it's it's true case by case. I think that, you know, we see them living up to some millennial stereotypes that I think are really funny. Like, you know, they really do buy a lot of avocado toast. Um, they spend a lot of money on Ubers. Um, they have a lot of student loan debt. But I do think that there's also this feeling of like when a woman makes a lot of money, there's a there's a congratulatory element to it. There's there's a lot more judgment too on, about how she spends her money. But then there's also this like, you know, you go girl, you go get what you're worth. And that's really exciting. Have you also found I, I I can only speak for my own for my own experiences and observations is that when women tout their financial wins, I've done it sometimes on this show. I, I just recently read an article um, where the writer was a is a female and talked about how she was able to send her kids to college debt free and the vitriol that she got because people thought that she was bragging that she wasn't cognizant of all the struggle that other people were having that she was privileged that I've been privileged because like I've been able to afford a home and I find that that is interesting because would we be so judgy of men who all the time are talking about it's like a given like if you're a man and able-bodied and you have a college degree, you're, like, your success is a given. But if you're a woman and you are successful and proud of that and sharing that, it can become a hostile environment for you. I think it's really interesting. I think it, it feels like to me that women have to over-apologize for our privilege and we're made to feel really guilty about that. Um, and that's why you know we say phrases like... I bought this face mask. It's a guilty pleasure of mine or something like that. Whereas like, I don't think a man would ever apologize for buying a video game. <laughs> um, right. Like they just, they just go and maybe to his wife, thing. he'd apologize. But other than that, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, hopefully I'm going to be gone for the um, next three weeks. Sorry. I have a, I have a new video yeah. game. <laughs> I have a new video game. Right. Um, 
but I, I do think it's really interesting that 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 happens and it it bums me out especially because you see it like women being judgmental of other women and men being judgmental of women so it's like you can't you like can't win um but I think that's also why money diaries are so important and encouraging women to talk about their money, even if it's anonymously, because then that begins to kind of normalize this idea of how we spend our money. Yes. Have you followed up with some of these women who've entered diaries and later asked, how has that practice or that exercise of tracking and writing down your week's worth of spending, how has that changed your views on money or your activities around money? Are, are people usually enlightened or what happens? Absolutely. I always tell people that I think that doing a money diary is one of like the best financial like things you can do because it's so eye-opening. I'm really someone who swipes my credit card at the grocery store and doesn't look at the total. So like forcing yourself to write it down, um, you don't have to publish it on Refinery29, even though <laughs> I would I would recommend that you do submit a money diary. Um but we have definitely heard back from diarists saying that they've learned a lot. One of my favorite diaries was from a young woman in LA who she is going back to school to become a nurse, but she also works full time as a naturalist making very little money, $26,000 a year or something like that. And she lives with her parents and it was very cute. The first diary she did, she kept buying coffee and about midweek, she was like, I realized I bought coffee all week. So today I made coffee for myself. Um, and we did a follow-up diary with her that's published in the book. And she, um, says the same thing actually that, you know, she's kept up this habit of making coffee at home because she realized how much she was spending on it because of the money diary she did. Wow. Um, just to summarize for listeners, some of the incredible profiles you have in the book, a hustling single mom earning $60,000, female sales executive making over $230,000. Um, curious to know how she feels. Does she feel rich? I find that people who make over six figures are not always feeling like they've made it. Um, yeah. The, the, uh, I also read on Twitter, I think, that as you continue to collect these diaries, and this is an ongoing thing, and listeners, if you'd like to submit, you're looking now for teachers, right? You want to uh, focus on maybe some um, some public service workers, perhaps? Yeah, definitely. We're always looking for a diverse mix. That's what makes an interesting story. Um, we're also going state by state this year. So we're we're about halfway through um, all 50 states, which is really exciting. Um, and we, you know, we aim to publish a range of incomes. Obviously, our high earner diaries are our most popular. But I really love the ones from the women who are just, you know, struggling to make ends meet. Well, let's talk about you a little bit, Lindsay. Um, first, what drew you to personal finance? Was it the journalism or the money F finance? Not that the money that you make as a <laughs> yeah. was it the, yeah. was it the storytelling? Was it journalism or was it the interest in personal finance? I think it was a little bit of both. I I totally fell into this, as you mentioned earlier. I. I wrote a story about how my husband and I saved $100,000 to buy our first apartment in New York City. And I wrote that story really because I wanted to change the narrative around millennials and money. It didn't seem fair to me that everything was always just that we were bad at money. And I wanted to share my own personal example of how I wouldn't exactly say I'm good at money, but I'm, I'm not bad at money. I'm a good saver. My husband's a really good saver. Mm -hmm. um, so I wrote the story and, and when it 
publish it was it did really well and our readers really related to it and were inspired by it and it made me kind of think about that I hadn't really seen that kind of personal finance storytelling before and I wanted to do more of it but then it also made me realize all the holes in my own financial education that I wanted answers to. So like, I'm a really good saver, but I'm not great at investing in the stock market. And I sign up for my 401k, but I don't know how it's invested. So I, I have such a privilege at Refinery that I said, you know, this is something that interests me. I want to write about it. I think our writers care about it. I'm going to start reaching out to female financial advisors and getting them to help me understand my finances. And then I'm going to translate that to the readers into kind of a a storytelling technique that appealed to me, which was like, you know, I'm going to have a little bit of tough love and it's going to be um, very clear the way we explain these difficult concepts, but I'm also not going to judge you. And I'm never going to tell you not to buy a latte because that drives me crazy. <laughs> Although the latte factor is, is pretty powerful. Substitute for it whatever is. you want. Like I love my latte too. I had one this morning. Yes. But you know, there are those little leaks, those little recurring expenses that we have that uh, that can really um, add up. Back to your personal finances, you guys saved $100,000 to buy that house or that apartment, which you chronicled. And that kind of was the beginnings of Money Diaries. But how did you do that? You said your husband's a really good saver. You're like good with money. What was, what were three takeaways from that savings experience. How long did it take you, by the way? It probably took us about eight years. And it wasn't like a conscious thing that we like sat down when we first got together and was we were like, we're going to save 100K. Um, it was more that we like looked at our bank accounts one day and realized that with a little bit more aggressive saving, we could get to a place where we could afford to buy an apartment. Um, it was a combination of things. My husband at the time was a was worked full time, but he also freelanced and he saved every penny he made freelancing. And I was working in book publishing at the time. And it, this was also a different era where bonuses were much bigger than they are now. And I would get pretty healthy bonuses and I would take all that money and put it into savings. Um, and then at the same time, it was a lot of like small savings tricks. Like we didn't buy lattes. Um, we were really conscious about not eating out very often. Um, we never go to brunch, which was just shocking for people. We never take cabs. Um, my husband would like go above and beyond to avoid paying a service charge or toll. Um, so it was those little things that we were always very conscious about. Um, and, you know, at times it was frustrating, you know, would have been nice to like, sometimes I'd walk by fancy restaurants on my way home from work and think it would be so nice to sit down there and have a fancy dinner. But, um, we also have a wonderful time. We still do. I have a two-year-old now and we sit down every night and have dinner. We light a candle and we set out um, cloth napkins and we sit down and eat and together. And it's really, it's really important to us and really nice thing that we do. With your two-year-old? That's no. impressive. Oh. After he goes to bed. <laughs> we do not. No. <laughs> I'm no. like, I need to dig a page. You need, that's your next book. Uh, that's really right. eight years. That's uh, that's impressive. The, the the consistency and the stick to itness that you had there. That's um, really inspiring. And yeah, having a home that's yours in the end feels better than any food tastes. <laughs> I think so. It really was important to us, and I we we actually ended up selling that apartment. Um, 
two years ago, right before my son was born. And we moved into, we were able to make some profit on it and move into a bigger place to fit all three of us. So that was also a really good feeling. There you go. What would you say today is your money mantra, Lindsay? As somebody who is a mom, is a woman, has a career, I later want to talk about the how-to of all of that because did you read recently that there are so many women that are arriving at motherhood not thinking, not knowing, not anticipating the cost and leaving the workforce um, as a result. It's so expensive. It's, it's so expensive. So I want to – that's been my latest obsession is trying to help those people, those women. But tell me a little bit yeah. about how where your mind is right now when it comes to money. If you have like a financial philosophy currently. I would say that – I have found that it's much more difficult to be careful with my money now that I have a child. My time is more precious than it used to be. Um, So that's been really hard. I actually write about that a little bit in the book, this kind of like lack of time. I'm going to throw money at problems in a way that I never did before. And thankfully, I have more disposable income than I used to. But still, that's such a weird feeling. Um, So I would say that these days, like, I'm really focused on making more money because I think that I have this, like this person, this extra person that I really want to be earning for. And I want him to be able to have anything he wants. My parents are really incredibly generous with my brother and I, and I would love to be able to provide that level of comfort and security. the security Fortune 500 companies use. They need to know police are going to be on the scene immediately. This is exactly the kind of security you get with Simply Safe. If there's a break-in, they use real video evidence to give police an eyewitness account of the crime. And that means police dispatch up to 350% faster than for a normal burglar alarm. With Simply Safe, you get comprehensive protection for your home. Outdoor cameras and doorbells alert you to anyone approaching your house. Entry motion and glass break sensors guard inside. Plus, Simply Safe protects your home from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide poisoning, and it's all monitored 24-7 by live security professionals. You can set it up yourself with no tools needed, or they can do it for you, and it's only 50 cents a day with no contracts. Visit simplysafe.com slash so money. You'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. Be sure you go to simplysafe.com slash so money so they know our show sent you. That's simplysafe.com slash so money. Oh, at the same time, though, make him know what it means to work for something. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't want to spoil him. Right, um, right, right. But, but you know, I, I hear what you're saying. He, and I love that. You, what, I love what you are saying, because what I'm hearing is that motherhood has really inspired you to become more of a financial badass. It is circumstantial. It's like an it's an instinct. It's a need. And you're pursuing it. That's that's also the glory here, because like, I think no, I don't think any mother's like, I want to just unprovide for my kids, right? We want to overprovide if we can, but then the question is how? And so what's your how? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I mean, work hard, negotiate better, um, 
make sure that I'm making smart decisions on how I'm working, make sure I'm making smart decisions on how I'm spending. Um, I think those are the big things that I think about. Well, obviously you have to negotiate and you talk about that in Money Diaries, the importance of doing that. And so few women do relative to how many employers Mm -hmm. expect us to. It's part of the game. Yes. Play the game. It Um, is. But you're right. It's also about productivity, valuing your time, having real a clear framework around what is work, what is family time, non-negotiables, as I say. Like I don't travel for more than two days consecutively unless it's a really big financial win to be able to do that. Absolutely. I think that makes like having an fully funded emergency fund and really be thinking about like life insurance and retirement plans is even more important. Having being buttoned up in your financial life once you have a kid is like, it, it goes from being like a nice thing to do to like essential. Back to the money diaries. Do you get the sense that many of the diarists have a lot of ambition, career ambition that I know a lot of the profiles are of women in their twenties, But as they get older and we're having kids later, we're marrying later, um, do they have this expectation that they'll be able to keep up with their careers? There is a desire there. I ask this because it's going to lead me to my next question. And I don't know if this is anything you've covered yet at Refinery29, but this struggle that women have to stay in the game while having kids and how to create that bridge. Honestly, I'm not sure the bunny diarists get into ambition very often. Sometimes they do. Um, but oftentimes they spend more time talking about skincare and exercise. Um, maybe that's worrisome. I'm always jealous of the money diarists cause they have such a, especially the ones, only the ones without kids. They have so much time. Um, but I think <laughs> that like in general, it's, it's kind of this feeling of like, because there is that excess of time that they've got that I think that they don't understand kind of what comes next with motherhood and a lack of time, Mm. right? Or just investing in yourself, right? So I wonder if there is a way to extrapolate from some of these um, entries, like if they, are they are they going back to school? Are they buying books? Are they taking courses? Are they going and paying a fee for a networking event? Are they going to a conference? I mean, going back to when I was in my 20s, I always knew that in my 30s, I wanted to try to have a family and I wanted to be at the forefront of my career still and parenthood. How? Mm-hmm. Um, I had the sense, because I had all these really great female mentors, that the more, the harder I work in my 20s to build seniority, the, the more likely I could call my own shots. Now, I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur. I thought I would probably still be working for an employer. But even then, I was like, if I've paid my dues to an extent all through my 20s, I've worked harder than the next person. And then I get to a place like 35 and I'm pregnant and I want to take six months off. No one's going to be upset about that or, or judge me. Or if they do, like, too bad. I'm invaluable. They'll ha- they have to deal with it. And... And so that kind of thinking really helped me. Now, it wasn't a financial move. It was more investing in myself so that I could become just a force in my career that I could have then like afford this flexibility in my 30s. It was a theory. It did play out. 
accordingly. But I think that that's something that we really need to like educate, especially with the young women early on about that. Don't waste time. Stop watching TV. Uh, <laughs> go out there. Meet, meet also invest in your relationships, like meet a great partner in crime because you're yeah. going to need that person to support Absolutely. you. Like take your dating yeah. seriously. I wish I had and I have I got lucky. and I won the lottery on that front, but it was not because I pursued it actively. It kind of fell on my head. I think that what you did was really smart. I don't think most women are doing that. I just don't. I think that they should be. I write a little bit about preparing for maternity leave in the book. I think that these are things that you should be thinking about well before you ever decide to have a child to start trying to have a baby, because I agree with you. It Seniority is so important. Um, you know, being someone that people already know works hard and can be trusted gives you so much more space to do what you need to do when you do have kids. Right. I mean, if you're just uh, coasting in your 20s, I mean, not asking for a raise, not working hard for the promotion, not jumping ship from point from one company to the other because you're too comfortable. But you know, that's the best way to advance in your career and make more money and get more leadership roles. Like do that, be hungry for that. Because then if... And this is only if you decide you want to slow things down for whatever reason, because you want to transition to starting your own career or have a family, or you have to take care of your parents because they're also aging and may need your help, that you have that breathing room now in your 30s that you've earned because you've worked so hard in your 20s. And that's given you like great, really great momentum and now leverage. I think it's so important. I don't think, I think the problem is, is that the advice is always to lean in, right? And that that's not exactly how it works. No. So I think that like having examples like you telling your stories of how you made it work. When I was in my twenties and I looked around and saw, first of all, I didn't see many working mothers. And when I did, I didn't really like the life I saw them have. And so when I did finally get around to having a baby, I really wanted to do it kind of my own way. And I'm really lucky at Refinery because I have a lot of support and, you know, they understand that, you know, I might not be here at 6 p.m. at night because I'm, you know, home with my kid, but I am up at 6 a.m. sending emails to make sure, you know, work is getting done. And I think that that's really important to have when you're, when you're a working mom, because, you know, it's, Kids work on their own schedules and it's not necessarily the nine to five, the corporate world. Someone just said the other day, as a parent, I'm the chief of staff of my child. <laughs> yeah, right? Like all the things you have to do. All the people you have to crazy. hire or like, you know, the, the schedule yeah. to manage and the um, the task force. Yeah. So what, not to um, get negative, but what would you say was your financial failure in your life that taught you a lot? I I think like every time I buy lunch at work is a financial failure. <laughs> <laughs> it never tastes that good. And I could have just made a sandwich at home. Um, I think it's those little things that you just kind of like fall for accidentally and aren't thinking. It's when it's those mindless moments that drive me crazy. I think I've been really lucky, though, because I have great parents who've always been really supportive. And I have a husband who's very careful with his money. And so I've never had like a big, huge mistake. 
Take us back to childhood a little bit. You've talked about your parents a couple of times already and in such positive light. I would love to learn a little bit about your first foray into the world of finance as a kid. Like, did you have a lemonade stand? Did you, do you remember a per- particular conversation or anything like that? Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard for me to talk about money when I was a kid because it wasn't ever a thing. My parents never really made talking about money part of the conversation. I think that they're shocked that this is what I do for a living. Um, honestly, I, yes, I, you know, they're wonderful and they're so supportive, but yeah, I think that they think it's funny. I was having <laughs> dinner with my dad on vacation recently and he was explaining to me what ETFs were. And I was like, dad, that's what I do for a living. I, I write about this stuff all the time. I, I know what an ETF is. Um, so I, Honestly, you know, for better or worse, we didn't talk about money and it wasn't really a thing until I went to college. I graduated from college and began earning money on my own and met my husband. And one of the earliest money memories I have with him is that he called me up. We were about to move in together and he called me up because he wanted to make a big purchase and he wanted to make sure I was okay with him making the big purchase. It was like he was in a band at the time and it was like an amplifier or something. I couldn't even tell you if he made the purchase, but I remember it being just like the biggest thing for me that he trusted me enough Mm -hmm. to call me up and tell me about this. And that, that was like kind of the beginning of us talking about money and our lives together. And I know that money and relationships can be really awkward and goodness knows we've had our moments, but I really love the times when we talk about money in terms of like planning for things we want to do and, you know, buying and selling our house and buying our new apartment. And to me, it's really romantic. And really respectful. You can be from complete different backgrounds, have different points of view, but just by sending a text or calling or checking in and saying, what do you think? Even if you know they're not going to agree, like you're giving them the space (laughs) and the opportunity to voice, which is really great. It's really important. Our sponsor for this podcast is Chase Slate, and they did a survey recently and actually found that a majority of millennials, over three-fourths of them, have recently made a purchase and shared it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. You're not surprised. Uh, But I always want to ask guests... Uh, is there something that you recently purchased that maybe you didn't share it on Instagram? Maybe you did, but you did share it in some capacity because you were really excited about it. I just had new bookshelves installed in our apartment and I did share that on Twitter because I was really excited about them. Nice. So, and that was a big, that was like a several conversations about whether or not we were going to actually do these bookshelves. Um, so it was a big purchase for us, uh, but they look really good. I was really happy with them. That is a great investment. Well, A, because books are important, but also I think it was in Malcolm Gladwell's, one of his books where he said that just having books around the house with kids in the house, it they grow up being more academic. Um, That's great. They don't have to read the books, but just being around books. It's they just of, need to be around them. Yeah. Um, I was in the... There, the bookshelves are in the bedroom and we also have CD shelves. Like I mentioned, my husband was in a band and we were like the last millennials with a CD collection. 
And my son looked at the CDs and went, so many books. <laughs> like, You're like, not, not books. Can no we give you some of our CDs? Because we, we need to downsize. No, no, you actually can <laughs> The CD shelves are full. And so they are, we are not allowed to bring any more CDs into the house. Before we wrap here, uh, I wanted to do some so money fill in the blanks with you, Lindsay. This is uh, every, this is how I coordinate every guest. Um, <laughs> before they leave and it's really fun. So just fill in the blank. If I won the okay. lottery tomorrow, let's say a hundred million dollars, the first thing I would do is I would start angel investing in female run businesses. Ooh. One thing I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better is I have a housekeeper and it's a game changer. Yes. When she comes, it's the best day of the week. She comes twice a month, but it's just and Same. I love her. She's wonderful. Yeah. Um, all right. One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is something you wish you had learned earlier in life. I wish I knew how much it costs to really sustain the lifestyle that I grew up with. I wish that I had been encouraged to kind of pursue a more high paying career. I, I was definitely of that generation who was told to follow their passion, which has been great. But Money is nice too. Well, I think having this book is a great way to um, put your stamp on the world in addition to your great work at Refinery29, like a book for me, at least it was a huge, a huge platform, you know, to be able to be able to say you're an author now. That's really exciting. It's crazy. It's crazy. But, and you wrote this book in like less than six months, right? Yeah. Yeah. Less than six months. That is also a skill. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. But a skill I don't want to repeat. Let's let's not brag about that. Okay, okay. We'll give you more time for the next one. What do you think will be your next? <laughs> yes. What What do you think has been born out of all these conversations that would merit another two hundred page book or so? I mean, I I, I wrote double this, so I think there's like I'm a, holding a, it in my hand a second, now. It's pretty heavy. There's a second book waiting in the wings. I, you know, I I think that the conversations are ongoing. Like, I think you can talk more about like how our relationships with money develop as our relationships get stronger. Like so many ways that money impacts us in the workforce, the, all the different ways that women are discouraged from being, you know, primary breadwinners or being ambitious. Like I just, I think we could talk about this and talk about this forever. Hopefully we'll see some progress and we should. It's so important. I love it. All right. And when I donate, I like to give to blank because... I like to give to organizations that help children. My father's a pediatrician, but also, you know, they're in a situation where they can't help themselves. They're at the, their most vulnerable. So I think they're a really important group to help. And I'm Lindsay Stanberry, author of Money Diaries. I'm so money because... I'm Lindsay Stanberry. I'm the author of Money Diaries. And I'm so money because I encourage women to talk about their finances and take control of their money. Wonderful. The book came out yesterday, September 4th. So go get your copy, everybody. I actually have a free copy uh, that I'll be giving away to one lucky uh, listener. So go over to somoneypodcast.com and get on this uh, particular episode page and you'll learn how to win the book. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you so much, Frenish. I really appreciate it. 
Thanks again to Lindsay for joining us. The book again is Money Diaries. You can go to moneydiariesbook.com and follow Lindsay on Twitter at L-E Stanberry. All this info is back at somoneypodcast.com, including how you can win a free copy of Money Diaries. Make sure to go to the episode page for Money Diaries for Lindsay Stanberry. And in the description there, I will uh, give some next steps for how to win the book. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And I hope your day is so money. 